I'm Shreen Patek, and this is Starting Out. Digiday's podcast where I talk to leaders in the marketing industry about their personal stories that make them the prominent voices and decision makers in the business today. One of my favorite theories about advertisers is that they secretly think of themselves as artists. My guest on today's show, founder and chairman of Pereira Nodel, PJ Pereira, thankfully agrees with me. Oh my God, I thought it was an ad guy. Now I'm more known as a writer than, than, than an ad person. But I realized that a lot of people started to, to, there was a kind of a funny thing that started to happen once my book started to get published that everyone come, came to me and said, all right, so are you living advertising? Said, no. First of all, those things are highly connected, you know, still like a creative exercise. And when I'm writing, I'm writing my books, I'm actually much faster in the agency. It feels like, you know, you're exercising a, another muscle that helps. It's a muscle that you're, you, you need to use more. And, but more than anything, it kind of it gives me more more windows and more doors, more ways to express my, my creative anxiety. And the less creative anxiety there is, the likelier he is to be better at the more prosaic parts of the job, the client meetings, the ROI, the sales pitch. On today's show, PJ and I talked about the need for finding that outlet for creative expression, why ad people need to talk less, and the pressure he once felt to be American. Tell me about writing. And the role that's played in your life. Writing, writing, yeah, it's it's a very important thing. Writing happened to me by accident. Um, it was almost twenty years ago. I was um, working with with kind of in, working in São Paulo, and uh, one of my best friends' mother died, and and I went to the funeral, and I realized that his mother was one of the highest priestesses in African religions in Brazil. And being having raised in, in a middle-class um, family in Rio, I always treated that as, oh, this is the, the devil stuff. I should stay away from it. But this guy happened to be like one of the nicest, one of the most good-hearted people I've ever met. So I, I, I actually confronted him and said, tell me, you got to tell me this. I learned that this is this is bad and you're good. So either you're lying to me or pe everyone lied to me before and said, no, everyone lied to you before. Let me, let me show you some stuff. And, and never got into the religion, but I got really deep into the culture and understanding that. And, and I got fascinated by the mythology, the, the, the West African mythology that is very influential in Brazilian culture, but like in music and, and everything in literature. But I, al I had always been exposed to... Greek mythology, Roman mythology, and Nordic mythology. And it's the same thing here in America. It's like you, we hear all these specific sets of stories, but there's a, a big part of, our, of, of these countries' roots. They're not told just because they, they are like subpar culture, theoretically, or or in a hidden way. So I got fascinated by that and I got so into it that I feel like, you know, I'm, I got denied these stories. I'm going to write one of those stories. So I wrote a, a, a trilogy of books based on, on, on the myths of African gods, of, of Yoruba gods. And, and I try to publish them and I had people like publishers say, Oh no, that's not, that doesn't, it doesn't have market for this too niche. These people don't read. And it's like, what do you mean by those people? You mean like black people? You mean by poor people? You mean people that follow this religion? 
And this, the guys, oh, no, no, never mind. Just I never talked again about this. But he, honestly, it took me 10 years to, to get it published because no one, everyone kind of believed he was the only one who said that out loud, but everyone kind of thought the same way. I eventually found a publisher, got it published, and it became a bestseller in the country. At, at one point, I was the number one Brazilian writer in the country, a number one Brazilian novelist. You know it's, what it's like? It's kind of a funny comparison but have you ever watched that the, that guy Caesar Milan on TV the the dog whisper you know how they it's it's always about yeah so it's it, I, there was a time in my life that I was kind of watching three episodes per day of that of that guy's like oh my god how does he do that but there's a, his basic theories that you have to exercise you know a dog that is exercising uh, that is putting the energy out is way more be, well behaved right so it can it's kind of more it's calmer I think that when you have this creative, creative anxiety as part of your personality, and I think most creatives have that, you need to get that out. And if you only have advertising as your, as your way to, to express it, you're going to take every opportunity to do it, to, to be as creative as you, can, as you can. And in theory, that's good. Until the point that you're you're starting to become irresponsible, and until your point the point that you're trying to recommend to your client, things are better for your own anxiety than to his business. So because this is a business, yeah, it, it it is a business, but it's also very personal, right? So for the the personal the the person creating that has to fill that that blank page is a creative exercise. For the person paying it is is a pure business transaction is a business investment. But I think that disconnect, and this goes perfectly back to what we were just talking about, I think that disconnect is what is what creates this risk of irrelevance for many creative agencies, agencies in general. I think that there has been historically a disconnect between I'm doing this because I'm creative, I'm amazing, and then linking that back to business roles was often said from the top, but was often really rarely internalized by yes, many places. Exactly, exactly. Like the, the truth of the matter is that for the person writing, um, all, the, all the creatives in this industry, in their minds... You know, they may not admit it, but in their mind, they think of themselves as artists, right? They, they have the artistic intention. They, they want to see, be seen as artists. Looking at myself in the mirror after I started to write is that, yes, that was true to me as well. Although I went to business school, I want to be seen somehow as an artist. By putting that on paper and being becoming a writer myself, creating some respect to myself, to, to my writing and everything outside of advertising, just got me calmer to look at the business side of what I'm doing and just be more rational about it. I'm not saying less creative. I'm just saying that is now I don't I don't need to be like the, the crazy person in every single line that I write. Sometimes if it needs to be simple and direct, I'm going to be simple and direct and I'm in peace with it because I, I, I'm, I'm the exercise dog now. I don't need to chew the, 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 the sofa because I haven't uh, taken a walk today. I'm I, interested my, in how long you're going to take this metaphor. But this is it. But like, that's I, exactly I, it. Now, now I, 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 writing is my, my walking, my daily walk. 
I hope you're enjoying the podcast. After a quick break, PJ will talk about why it's worth it to take a bet on diversity in business, talent, and decisions. Right now, I want to tell you all about Digiday Plus, our very premium membership product. Join our community and get a firsthand look at how digital is transforming the world of media and marketing. You'll get exclusive research, invitations to exclusive member events, and Digiday Magazine. And it's only $3.95 a year. You can sign up at digiday.com. And we have a discount offer for you as our podcast listener. If you want 25% off Zeus, subscription, please enter the code starting out at checkout. Now back to the episode. It's funny to be, to be in another country. The, the experience of moving to another country kind of gives you a whole new appreciation for where you come from. A lot of things you took for granted um, start to pop and like, oh, that brings a lot of originality and, and everything. I remember when I, when I had just arrived in, in, in San Francisco. And, and at that point, it was kind of funny because Brazil, you know, to your question, Brazil was like at the hottest stage on the advertising world, just kind of winning everything. And my, my agency two years before had like won all the awards, more awards than, than two or three countries combined at Cannes, and, and it was doing great, right? So I, I came here for like, I'm going to teach those Americans how to do Brazilian-style advertising, and, and it was like, yeah, it's going to be great. It was awful. When I arrived, you know, <laughs> I joined the agency, and immediately, like, the, the week after I joined, and the two weeks prior to, to when I joined, a lot of people resigned because they didn't want this South American co- person coming here. And, and like, what was the kind of very strange vibe? And then I felt like, no, I need to learn how to be an American. I try to be an American, and it was a disaster as well. And then, you know, at that time, it was, it was about the same time that Ray Namoto uh, moved to San Francisco as well, became my partner. Uh, he's Japanese. And we started to to work together, and and like it feels like a one a, a, a joke, a, one of those jokes, like a Brazilian and and a Japanese walk into an advertising <laughs> agency, and, and I need a punchline. Yeah, so, but what happened was, it, there wasn't a punchline. It was just great, because what we what we realized is that, and that was a real start. And I, we were in a in a meeting, and someone told kind of an idea of like, yeah, I remember it sounds like a story that we hear in Brazil when you're kids that, you know, what is that thing that, what, what, what is that thing that, that falls standing and runs laying and no one knew what we was talking about. It's not like, that's the rain. And it's like, oh my God, it's the rain. Yeah. It's like, you don't know that. And that was, that's something that every four year old is the first riddle and joke well, that like you every learn. Every American kid knows this joke. Yeah, it's like a... It, and here you were two adults. Yeah. Who had no idea. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, this is, you know, this is kind of sounds for for you in Japan. Have never heard that? No. And then oh, that that's something interesting. So I, that's when I realized that the, the value of being, being Brazilian, when I, a Brazilian in America, wasn't necessarily being a Brazilian, is being an outsider. You know, there was a day that that when I was still at AKQA, my the end of my first year, beginning of the second year, and I was talking to the the team, and and you know, at that point things were stabilized, were growing again. But and I asked him, so what what do you think that that happened? You know, I arrived and people were leaving without even giving me a chance to to see what I what I could do and everything. I hadn't even met them, 
and kind of there was one one of the creatives that got really close to uh told me that you know yeah they they were you know when before you arrived everyone was talking about oh there's going to be this kind of crazy guy from brazil that is you know going to going to make everything different and and that's when i realized that i wasn't just a crazy guy i was a crazy guy from brazil if it was a crazy guy from kentucky it would have been different the fact that the, the from brazil had a specific intonation that meant it's going to be totally unpredictable i don't know what's going to happen and it's crazy not only brazilian but it's crazy so it's it's not i'm not sure that i want to stay here to see this whole thing fall apart it didn't fall apart and these people that left disappeared and i'm not sure that that they where they are now but the people that stayed you know they're all doing good so you know sometimes it helps to to stick with the the crazy ones my six, my, the first six months in this country were that I, that were my my worst six months in my entire career. I had I arrived at home every day at, at with like a big headache. I thought I was not. I'm I'm a big fraud because people are tough. They're not. They it feels like no one wants you to succeed, right? Everyone wants to put you down. Everyone wants to prove that. Oh, it's not because you have had success in other places. You're going to have success in this country. This is a whole new game. There's a pride of America being a uh, a different game altogether. So, uh, and that makes things more difficult. The way you talk and explain your ideas and seduce people on how to seduce other people matters a lot. So, unless we, as an industry, and and like local industry understand how to be more welcoming to to foreigners we are always going to lose like six months to one year of potential of every single person that we bring and i think it didn't help that in the beginning i thought my english was great and, and it wasn't I, I was i had a very hard time communicating and 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 I think America, the, the American market is so used to people getting here and, and no matter where they come from, they, their English is ready to, to work. That it takes, their, the, the industry is not used to having to make a little bit of effort to understand what people are trying to say. And I think they miss a lot of good ideas in that beginning. There are, there are things that we discussed that I try to sell, I try to convince, I try to explain in my first six months that I couldn't because people are not willing to try to pay attention and understand of course part of that is because i couldn't communicate either but if they had at least tried there there could have been some some good things happening that that a year later two years later if like oh you see that's what i was trying to say if like yeah but you couldn't say it if like yeah you couldn't listen either do you think the industry suffers overall from a lack of there, yes. A lack of listening. Yes. Especially yes. today, I, which is yeah, yeah. more I, important. Listen, I imagine I've seen I've been in conversations in, in my own agency, right? My own place with me. People telling me that, oh, I don't want to hire that person because that person's English is not that great. And the foreigner, I would rather hire an American. And it's like, stop. Do you do you listen what I'm what, to what you're saying and to who you're saying that? I mean, you're going to miss an amazing talent and all the potential that you have with that person because that person does not communicate that easily and you're going to have to work a little bit harder to understand. I think your priorities are all wrong. And I've seen that conversation happen with me and I've, I had friends in, in other agencies from 
all countries in the world and and they all report a very similar story there is a a is a little bit of a laziness to to it like yeah no it's yeah i'm gonna have to make so much effort to understand what they're saying because their english is not so good and and then you miss the ideas that is what the business is really about there's also one thing that i've always felt about agencies and advertising journals that in some ways it rewards talkers it rewards people who sound good whether by accent or by buzzword yes and you know it's 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 sort of advertising's real fraud problem you know it's actually that there's too many frauds who work in advertising exactly. and they sound good and whether that's like i said they they went to the right schools and they have the right accent and they're able to use the buzzwords that matter um i feel like the problem is exacerbated with digital it's just gotten worse there there i think there's a a an ironic outtake of that is that once you start to bring more foreigners that come with like oh these people have done these amazing work outside they come and the first use that they have for for the status quo the first thing that they that the status quo can can use that for is to show that oh they're not that great there's a certain and I, I haven't felt that myself, but I've seen that with other people. Said, oh, say, okay, yeah, that person is coming, uh, won all those those awards, and these countries have these amazing uh, track records, and the person comes, and, and it, it has problem adjusting, and the market is different, the industry is different, the, the rhythm is different, the, the, there, and there's the language problem as well. And then all people around them are like, see, you come, and you think that they're like the... the the, the last Coca-Cola in the fridge. and But, you know, they cannot operate that well. Just along with sort of the focus on results and the focus on actually making sure things work and the ideas are more than just ideas, there's also been a confusion. And a lot of that confusion in some ways has been exploited by people who are good at talking. Um, how has the industry changed then, in, in your opinion, since you since you first came, at least in America? I think there's a the context is different, right? When when I arrived, the the can cyber lions category was still in the beginning. I was the the I think the third president of the jury there, and that was the year that I arrived. Because it was such a new medium, it was a a, a fair game for everyone. So the difference between the the richest markets and the poorest markets wasn't that great and the technology and bandwidth and all those things kind of put everything in a in a such a hard game to play that everyone could, could do it so that's why at, at, at that at that time when I came like my agency won more awards the previous year than England and Germany together Brazil won more awards in the UK and Germany so how come and it's one of those mind-boggling questions how come a, a country that has always done well in 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 the in the ad space in the award shows and the creativity uh side of the business how but how come there was such a leap and the reason for that is because it, that it was the beginning of a new of a new game and, and everyone was playing at the same level everyone was equally yeah wrong. so it was a great opportunity to bring in a, who are the most talented people from all, all over the world and and let's bring them here. I remember when I joined AKQA at the exact same time, like in a, in a matter of like three, four months, um, 
Ray, who is Japanese, joined from, from RGA. Lars Bastom joined from FramFab in Denmark, and I joined from, from Brazil. Like from the top five most awarded guys in the country, in the, in the world of that year, uh, three just joined at, at the same time to, for the same company. And it was a fascinating time to see you now who are the new people coming from diff in different markets. So there was an opportunity to see new talent from everywhere. You know, as the 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 these the, the digital world progressed and and evolved into like way more complex, way more complex operations, and and then money started to matter more. You started to see more of a difference. You mean you, budgets? Budgets, yeah. So you don't see other countries beyond America and maybe the UK kind of dominating as much as they did in the past. Every now and then, there's one year that someone does well, but it's it's not a constant thread of of success coming from markets that you don't expect you see more of that now in brand entertainment though which is an interesting take i always thought that brand entertainment was the opposite of digital because you know this is the place where budgets matter now we have like to do the, the bigger, big productions the right and i have the big stars the hollywood stars and the, and the hollywood production companies that's gonna well, matter you know with the work you did with intel and yeah. inside you needed you you needed Emmy. You needed you know you exactly. needed all that. Exactly, and you can see like you can kind of expect it. That is the game that belongs to this country. But then you see who were the big winners, right? Yeah, there was one big winner from America that it was lo and behold. But the the Grand Prix was from Spain. Another goal that was one of the top contenders was from Greece. There was another one from uh, another gold from from South Africa. Another gold from Singapore. So it, every time there's a new category, there's a pattern there. Every time there's a new category, and I'm not talking about the award show. The award show is just a, a way to see it. The award show is a it. symptom. Yeah, but every time there's camps. a new kind of work changing the industry and, and entertainment is the new digital, there's a level playing field being established and it's everyone's game again. So a, a bank from Spain kick everyone's ass. How much of that then is, because I think there's an interesting sort of sign of the times when you see, you know, the New York Times starting to win awards. You see the platforms trying to win awards, um, starting to win awards. I think is what kind of patterns can you discern, like you've now discerned with discipline and medium in who's actually doing the work has changed. I think the role of an agency itself is very different. It's not only agencies winning anymore. The publishers are suddenly there and they're very much present. Um, and I think it speaks to a larger question of what is, what remains kind of the role of a creative shop as everything around it changes. The most fascinating part is the, the creative word in there. It's kind of what is the role, the role of the creative shop? And I can't even tell if there is such a thing as a creative shop anymore or if it's, I'm trying to understand myself, like what is the role of creativity in this new business that is working? I'm not saying that it's disappearing. I'm saying that it's, it's changing so much that it's, it's hard to see that, oh, it's a department in an agency or is the is a group of agencies or because everything is becoming different. I think we are. And that is a, a one of those big uh risks you take making statements like that but it's, i think we are on the verge of one of the biggest evolution leaps that we've had in in, the, in this industry in a long time as much as we had in the beginning of the digital 
uh, digital revolution 15 years ago and and it's going to be there's going to be another one it's not only because of the the entertainment and the on-demand kind of advertising that is popping because you know we've been forced into to a corner but also because of the 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 the, the wide range of of business models there is starting to to happen you can you know look around and you see things like nick law taking over the whole publicist group on the creative side you see martin sorrell leaving wpp you see an agency like la comunidad that was always put into a little corner of the industry as a latino agency where they had never wanted to be and now they are playing they're they're becoming a global player doing amazing work in in multiple countries you know you see and you see you have the consultancies accenture taking over and kind of doing a bunch of, of things as well. And I think, you know, if you look at, at any market or even more, if you look in nature, evolution happens through diversity, happens through different models that keep evolving. You know, you need the, the variation of DNA to allow the big leaps to happen. All of a sudden you realize, oh my God, this is great. I'm, I'm really excited to what's going to happen when you combine, when you start to combine those those things in five years, in ten years, and you look back, wow! We remember when you're talking, Shireen, and 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 now look at what's happening. The combination of a consultancy and a an editorial group, the ideas from those two kind of created this new element here, this new kind of agency that is this, or new kind of service company that is this is not an agency. I don't know if it's going to be just agencies, if it's going to be publishers, but that's a beautiful thing. That's powerful. It's a powerful moment that we are living where ideas are, are being open to more, are being found in more doors. But certain things have to go extinct too. Evolution yes. demands that things die. Yeah, and I, I, that's, that's nature. I'm, I'm okay with that. If I'm the one to be extinct, so be it. You know, I'm, I'm, I think everyone should be ready for that. And, and if you really love what you do and care about the industry as a whole, you need to be ready to step, step down. It's like, right now you're, I'm not, I don't represent the future anymore. I represent the past. So I need to, to take a step back. And, and I think that that's all a, a very fair, uh, way of looking at things. Things are moving faster and they're going to move faster during the next 10 years. Would you still describe yourself as obsessively competitive? Because this is a new PJ. So I think so. <laughs> if I'm going to go extinct, yeah. so be it. No, yeah, I, I say that, but it's like in the back of my mind, I say no freaking way. <laughs> but it's, I knew it was too good to be true. Yeah, no, it's, it's new, it, very meditative. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking here is that the, I'm, at some point I know that it's going to happen. Right, I know that it's there's going to be a generation of people that are going to be so much faster than me. That, that I'm going to let them lead the way. But at the same time, I don't, I'm not ready for that. So I'm like, I'm, I'm working hard and I'm studying, I'm paying attention, I'm having conversations and I'm trying to stay relevant and, and playing. And it's a, it's a battle. And I think that, that if, if, you're, if you'll feel comfortable and feel like, yeah, no, I have my place here, that means that, means that you're a dinosaur already. You know, and, and, and anyone who is not trying to, to survive while the meteors are, keep coming and it's like, you yeah, know, you're, you're, you're the one that is going to be gone. I'm trying to not to be that. And, and, 
And I think this entire generation should be thinking like that. That's PJ Pereira, and that's a wrap for today's show. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Aditi Sangal. If you like our show, please subscribe and share it. You can also leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We're also on anchor.fm. I'm Shreen Patek. We'll see you next week.